0: Good morning. My name is Pastor Tavo D'Arcy. We're going to talk about a few things today. You know that you can grow up and know there are many kinds of Christians and their doctrinal differences, but until you get immersed in them or get around them, you'll never know, understand. So I'm going to mention a few things. I was brought up by a Christian pastor who is Christian first with my mother and his family and The choice was made that he would be a Baptist and go to the Baptist seminary. And my mother, who had been raised a Presbyterian, Presbyterian, and her mother before, she decided to forsake the Presbyterians, because she was a real Christian before, you know, that was what mattered, and she was a Baptist pastor's wife. And when I was growing up, I didn't know anybody who spoke in tongues. I didn't know a symbol of God existed. I didn't know there were charismatics, because I don't even know if there were any way back then, if they really called them such. And I heard of Pentecostals, and all I knew in my childlike mind was that somebody had said they were holy rollers. So of course, a child loves to think of what that might look like. I didn't know what that really meant, but it captured my imagination. And then later on, when I was sent out as a servant leader to, at age 24, God said, I want you to study my body, the different parts that believe the Bible, the ministry, their doctrine, their teachings, all colors, and their styles, their pet peeves, their worship, and then one day I'll have you build bridges to connect them when the time is right. And so that was over 40 years ago. And because I grew up with very wonderful Christian parents and grandparents, extended family, I never heard one negative word, one attack, one accusation against anyone of a different faith, a different kind of Christian, and, and not even any other color, no racism. So I credit my mother and father because that's how a real Christian acts, and my leader, grandparents, and grand, you know, extended family, aunt, and everybody. So I honor them. Well, what happened was, when I grew up and I felt like all Christians were a safe place, so I went to college, I was a Jesus person type, and then I got married, and that's when I got the call at age 24 to study the body of Christ. It was at the beginning of what we call charismatic renewal, all the different kinds of parts that we now know greatly, especially TV types of ministries, did not exist, but they were starting, and then later Word of Faith in the 80s. And when my dad died, my mother and sister went up to go to Rayma at uh, Raymond Bible College, and that's how I heard of Kenneth Hagin and Faith. And I had my firstborn by then, and my secondborn, you know, four years later. And we'd fly up there, and that's how I got to know Word of Faith, and. Uh, of course, media and television started to come in big time. But I never heard of Christian Phariseeism, new neo- Pharisees. I never heard that leaders or elders or Christians in ministry would you know gossip or call people names like witches and have strict authority that you know, Phariseism comes when there's incorrect doctrine. And there's accusation. So I never heard of anything called church hoppers. I never heard of anyone, you know, condemning everybody or gossiping about their names, saying they were in sin because they didn't go to church or that they were church hoppers. Like I said, that made a huge impression. (laughs) I heard that in 98. And so when I was called to the ministry, it was the time of Jim Baker and Jim. Swaggart scandals, which I've said before, I'm down here now in Fort Mill, where I can film my video for a while at the backdrop of Main Street of Jim Baker, because it brings back sort of like a closure, a circle when I started all the chaos and mayhem that existed in between some of the false teaching I encountered, the celebrity followers, the good deed doers, and a lot of hard work done in the name of Jesus. And still we haven't really quite mastered it. We never will. And then I had also studied African American churches, been there, <clears throat> oversaw a Vietnamese church year and a half that were spirit-filled <coughs> in my former state of Virginia. So I've had quite an uh, interesting life, and then I would see big names in the charismatic movement because see I already grew up around denominationals, so the Holy Spirit was something that the Lord wanted me to know about, train me about, and then worship of course comes with that, new worship, which I'm a musician. Well, back in college when I went from Norfolk, Virginia, where I grew up, partially as a teen, Norfolk Virginia Beach, then I went back to the central Richmond area and went to what used to be a Baptist college. And I got in because of my writing, but I got in because also my parents had a scholarship they could use. <laughs> so I went there, and uh, that was when praise and worship started. That was when you know people wearing their guitar and their long hair would go off campus and have praise and worship. So I went one night and got the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was 20, and I've had it ever since. I didn't know about tongue-talking. I just prayed, God, if it's your perfect will, I don't want to go into error. So if I'm not supposed to have it, if it's an error, don't let me have it. Well, I got it. And it was always wonderful, peaceable, never shaking, never controlling, and so forth. But I didn't know what to do with it till later in the 80s, about 10 years later. And so what I found out with me I think if you have a personal relationship with the Lord, he's such a gentleman. I remember my grandmother, my mother's mother, who was very intelligent, and she knew the Lord so well, people would write her, even in her 80s, to pray for them. And so she knew the Bible. She was a scholar, like my father and mother. And so she said, God is a gentleman. He'll never do anything that will hurt you or embarrass you. And I thought, all right, that sounds good. So I found that is true with the Lord, that He will never do anything to embarrass you. You don't ever get have to have a fit, take control, get an energy that is bossy. But you will encounter others who might do that, and in fact, some will eventually. So just be ready. Don't think it's God; think it's their flesh. So anyway, as life went on and all these Holy Spirit moves went, I ended up going down to you know the effects of Toronto Blessing, Rodney Hard brown Central Florida, the Fire of God, Star, and Mahesh Shavda were great positive role models in the 90s. And then there were different things called Toronto Blessing came to where I used to live. And I went down to Florida and traveled and spoke. I spoke in Carolina as well, traveling ministry. And it was in Florida that I saw my first, my first, what would you call it celebrity church celebrity ministry The lord had sent me and i always spout the land here you know i'm not a tourist i don't care what they got in orlando i don't care if disney world's there even though i went i don't care what all your tourist attractions i want to know what the lord is doing i've always been like that I've always been sent to see what the holy spirit is doing and then he'll talk to me like he said i wanted me to know different types of styles of the body. So I went to the Word of Faith up in Tulsa. Then I went to Dallas, 15 years, immersed. I went to Central Florida, the Panhandle, and also got imparted to by many groups. Sister Ruth Heflin, a lot of ones that move in the Spirit. I don't want to name all of them, but I also got to know Vineyard, Church of God, Church of God in Christ, and uh, let's see, Church of God in Christ, and Missionary Baptist, that's what I meant. So, really, when the Holy Spirit's moving in worship, it can be very wonderful, peaceable, pure servant leadership, people with more flair, mass choirs still wonderful, everybody's got to be diverse, everybody should reflect God in the way their culture tells them, and God tells them went to north- uh what do you call it Alabama, all these different places, and then Pennsylvania, so I've been up and down as the Lord led me, and when I was there. Most of the time, 80% 90, 80 to 90% when I was traveling like that, it was very calm and peaceable. However, the devil can be at work. And when you're sent like a prophet, a true prophet, you're not there to look for that. You're there because God has sent you maybe just to study good ministry. You don't know why. But then God can speak to you about good things, but he can also have things happen right in front of you that you didn't want to know about. That you see more than three times, which is a sign from me to God through the years, if you see it happen in three or more times and it hurts my name or somebody else would hurt the body of Christ, then teach on it. So that's why I'm teaching all these things on Phariseeism over and over, and whelp and all that. So, I didn't know about the hierarchy ministry. I didn't know about the covering teachings. So, if I am a Baptist, let's say, that knows the Holy Spirit, that's trying to be not red state, not blue state, not wrap Jesus in anybody's flag or pet political party, yet I personally vote, I wouldn't vote to kill babies, murder babies. That's my, I vote issues, not race, not political party. I vote issues. Or I don't vote personality. I always have. So therefore, if I'm out there, a sent one, then I'll meet divine appointments, see what amazing things, get great ideas, get teaching, get edified, comforted and strengthened, a prophetic word, anointed message, whatever. But I don't go looking for anything sinister. And I don't go looking for anything that is... One way or the other, except usually when I went, every time I've been through, you know, all those years until right now, I was in great pain. I was in great turmoil in my private life. People attacking me, being violently abused, you know, repeatedly abused, demeaned. I was having great sorrow. I was mourning my loss of marriage, ironically. I was having all these things like a cross on my back, representing many people who go to church. And then when you go there, you're greeted with this new nouveau, neo, Phariseeism Phariseism, that starts to attack you because they think you are. They brand you something. They never want to relate. They never want. They just look at you as a stereotype, or they have a Jezebel fixation because their doctrine and their ministry, or they just don't know how to show love. So I felt like I was embedded. In the grassroots until finally it was so bad and you know in the last 15 years is so bad that i could i quit visiting churches at the leading of the lord because they were more like systems i laughed because i think on the east coast they because the lord told me to visit I, they'd see me at revivals my husband always said i don't mind if you go i had people to speak in my life but nobody knew it in the pharisee crowd So I got a name amongst the Pharisees, I believe, as a church hopper, even though they didn't know my ministry. A lot of people don't know about it till now. So the idea is, I would watch them. You know, I I'm a prophetic person. I know what they're doing. I read their mail, but and there were more than like two or three that met with about eight to ten, four to you know. But they were big mouths, and I thought, you know, I watched them. I thought, well, here they're gossiping. They're suspicious. They've jumped me, saying I'm not under anyone's authority, meaning their kind. But I thought, you know what? If you have good manners, if you really respect people, you'd call me up and make an appointment. We can talk peer-to-peer, respectful in a relationship. If you feel like I'm in sin, far away, you're a sin spy, then Galatians 6.1 says that you are to call me up, Elder, and speak to me in humility. And, and, and talk to me about it and confront me lest you fall in the t- same temptation. So does Matthew eighteen fifteen. So all these things I started to note about Phariseeism. It accuses, it witch watches, it spreads rumors, but it will not submit, ironically. They have this huge thing about submission. That is the big word in this group. Not, thank God, the rest of them not the black peoples, to my knowledge. Nobody watches all the other people in the area and all the ministers and the junior ministers to see if they're under somebody except these people. So I found it embarrassing for the name of Jesus. I found it not Christian in the Bible of the New Testament. It's old-timey. I felt that people calling people witches and suspicious witches is off-key, off-doctrine, center, and if you feel that afraid, make such a big do of it, you're going to get your people trained negatively and you'll attract them. And they do that. They do that. So all along I'd think, you know what, Therefore, for the grace of God. Go. Oh, I had a great, calm, natural daddy, a real Christian, a real family. Maybe these people that see all that weird stuff, all the demons all the time had horrible parents. I don't know. I'm not saying they did. But I felt for them, but I feel for the Christians under them that follow them. That's the issue. Because if we want to have people learn about the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit has a merry heart. That's part of the Bible. A merry heart does as good as a medicine. A broken spirit dries the bones. I have a merry heart. And I realized that not all people are merry. But I think when I got stereotyped, you know, I felt myself being stereotyped by these groups and I discovered Welp by stereotyping them back, racially profiling them when other people didn't. Most people didn't, but this few did. I thought, man, when I look at them, I realize they do not look merry. They do not look merry. They take themselves very seriously. So I'm not trying to put you down if you're a Welp, but I tell you, you got some work because that legalism and the Putting labels on people you've never spoken to shows you don't really care about them. You're just caring about your legalism, carrying your crown, while we're out here carrying our cross. I used to have one time in my life where I was would feel on assignment. I had a prayer list. I had a ministry that prayed for leaders for 15 years, a newsletter for all the leaders I'd prayed for. Invited to pastors and leaders' gatherings around town for decades before these doctrines moved in and set themselves up as all-knowing, so I knew what real ministry is. I still do, but I don't want to say all whelp are attack all whelp are that bad. There, there is a spectrum. There can be very mild. They will not talk to me or anyone if they don't join a church, and they will give you the the look but they won't necessarily blackball you character assassinate you and act like ode to whelp at the top of page online fellowship.us but there are plenty more that do that and i ran into them and i think they originate from florida i really do the ones that are that the ones that are the worst to me that are the alexander Cooper Smith of my life That really did me damage, and many people, otherwise I wouldn't say it if it was just me, but I know at least 30 in one area, central region alone, and I won't go back there. But I think, I know there are different kinds of whelp that are less cruel and, I don't know, envious, determined to make people under them. I don't know. It's so errant. And then there are people that just come, like maybe from an, you know, from a denomination from Missouri that speaks in tongues. They they may criticize all these other people, like Word of Faith, from their pulpit on their radio show. They might talk about people by name, other Christians, which I don't, but I do know their doctrine has whelp in it. If that if any person has come through that denomination. They give, they're give they the ones, big or small, that would give me the, or any female, the blank stare during the headlight's avoidant look. Now, when I study this, I'm fair. Surely there's some that don't do it, that do respect women. Surely there are, but, you know, Word of Faith usually respects women at the top ones. Maybe the ones that are out in the grassroots that are mixing with the other kinds. The Pharisees have gotten Pharisee legalism on them, which they have, certain ones I know. So the idea is no one is all perfect or all bad, but I'm saying they are various shades of whelp. But I would say that I would watch out because it's mixed in with the Holy Spirit and worship, and it's really good worship, really good Holy Spirit. But then if you have a group that is bred to follow the leader only, he's an autocrat, and that they are now to guard their name and be, I don't know, it's just like this self centric doctrine. And it's not, it's back under the law because they will not, they believe everyone is under them. Their Western European heritage. I've never heard of a black person thinking all other ministers are under them. So I marvel at it. That's why I'm teaching on it to say, you know what? If you're a believer, you can pick and choose who you sit under. And if you can't find anybody that's not a critic, that's not a gossip, not an accuser, you can go online. That's one reason I started, the reason I started OnlineFellowship.us, which is really DFW Leader Ministry Online Fellowship. And there are a lot of good ministries, more than mine out there, quite a pick, and YouTube. The thing is, you don't want to forsake fellowshipping with the saints like some have. It's a command, but also it's good for us. So pray, and God will open up a door, open up a way where there seems to be no way where you can find mature, normal people, even if it's a couple of friends you meet at the coffee shop, or have a Bible study at another, you know, or just gather with for fellowship outside a formal church. You be the church. This is the issue. All the religious says you can't go unless it's got four walls and a famous pastor. Down deep, the first church started in houses, house to house, and I believe we're at that movement because of COVID. Now we want them to do it right. We don't want to be a critical complainer, but this is not murmuring, this is not fault-finding, this is doctrinal discovery that is so concerning because it affects Jesus and church attendance, people who want to go, they feel like they are not able to go because it's now a Friendly Fire Fellowship, which the the command of Paul says to turn away. If it's repeatedly accuser, boaster, lover of themselves, denying the power of God, then If they won't change, you've confronted them, you've prayed for them, forgiven them, but now it's affecting your children, your family, your marriage, then it says from such turn away, and I have. So we want to do it right, but right now with COVID, it's sort of everybody has a chance to hear God for themselves. I'll be honest, when I was out there and had a word of the Lord in 2019 that God was going to send a flush of a mighty wind to His ministry, That there would be a character flush, I had no clue that God would really flush out and block churches from going. And to me, it was to flush the systems. I have been where I've never seen so many legalistic, great and small systems in my life. Some were so well run, so well oiled to conserve their finances, bringing the bucks on a regular basis. They were almost like algorithms algorithm system you know let's get it down let's get the formula let's get the party let's get this so it all works and tracks people and is a magnet and then we know how to keep people and retain people get more and it's callous it is precise but it is a formula which is usually it is money motive the love of money it's not a community. It's a circus. It's not a community. It's a well oiled system. I wrote a Twitter comment that the Lord gives me these things. He cracks me up. I have the, I guess, call the word of Twitter anointing, maybe. But anyway, I got up and I thought, you know, I thought about this. Instead of saying, hurry up, everybody hurry up and get in the car. We'll be late for church. Somebody was saying, hurry, everybody. Get in the car, we'll be late for religious system. Because that's how it was. That's how. Let's say this, charitably. That's how it used to be in a lot of the parts of the United States. When I mentioned Dallas, great big Dallas, it is enormous. Millions of people, six million people. And all these churches and people groups, subgroups, colors, everything's diverse. Foreign religions, foreign nations. All right. So therefore, if you see something that is good, it will be multiplied even more that's good, and you can find good in our nation. But because of the giant density of the population, you'll find good on a widespread basis, but you can find bad. If you find charlatans holding people hostage for money, which I've seen, if you find people who are hoop jumpers, I call it hoop jumping. You gotta you know people pleasing ministry, bowing and scraping religious hierarchy worship, pastor worship, all right, I note it, and I think, man, this is a formula, this is a fad, this is not I mean you gotta keep up with the Joneses to join those places, you gotta fit in their template, it's not normal, it's not first church ephesians for community. Nobody's ever heard of common doctrine in these groups. Common doctrine says there is no legalism. For instance, the common doctrine is that Paul writes about, when Lord, when faith, when baptism, when God the Father, those are the hallmarks of a real Christian. When Lord Jesus Christ, when faith, the Christian faith, when baptism, baptism water for the symbol of washing away your sins, and then when God the Father of us all, Creator Father. All right. Well, if you take Paul's commands, of which there are many and plenty, let's say, for instance, the favorite, Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the fellowshipping with the saints as some have. I'm for that. But the way we hear it, the way we've been hearing it for years out here in the front lines of the grassroots in real life America, pandemic before, is... Do not forsake fellowshipping with the saints, as some have, or you'll burn. That's the tone, and that's the attitude, and it is a legalism, and guilty shame. And then all the lay people do the same. The good, you know, people like there are people who really do like fellowshipping. They thrive on it, be it a bad church, a good church, a dead church, a live church. Just so can go to church. They can be black, white, or tan. All right. Then there could be some really good churches in there and the remnant. But I'm saying that just because people are so goody-goody about their going to church doesn't mean they're, they're better than anybody. They're just more religious. <laughs> but I believe in fellowshipping with the saints. The illustration for that would be, you know what, one pencil. If you're by yourself, you've got a lot of pressure, it's like one pencil. It's, if the pressure comes, it's easier for one pencil alone to snap. But if you've got a bunch of pencils together, that's the corporate anointing, then it's harder to snap. You'll have fellowship and other people to pray, and it will be a stronger thing. Plus the corporate anointing. When two or three are gathered or you're watching YouTube, that's great. The anointing can come. I know that. But if you're with other people, there can be a different flavor, a different depth, a different part of the anointing that is even better quality if God leads you there, if he leads you to the right one that has that. So, if you say, you know what, like all the people I know that are out here that think this, do not forsake fellowshipping with the saints as some have, or you're not as good as me. You're going to get it from God, he'll hit you on the head. You know, that type of thing. They're everywhere, they're too much. That's what I'm teaching. That's Phariseeism, minding everybody's business. Being legalistic, watching what they do, comparing yourself with another, which the Bible says is not wise, and busybody. Keep your mind to yourself. So at the top of online fellowship is about the common doctrine and then about the legalisms in America, such as you shall not wear jewelry, you shall not wear slacks, that type of thing as well. So you can say, and then that's between you and God, what you decide, he holds us accountable for the whole Bible, but we can't do it all because we have besetting sins and we're weak, so God knows that you and your relationship with the Lord should determine this and he can give you the guilty conscience and convict you if he wants to not a human being not me all right so when you go out and you visit and you try to find a Christian fellowship, a Christian ministry, you have to know their undercurrents they're really true people, really good experiences and good people and good quality ministry where you want to spend your whole life there yes but then you can find some of the ones that are friendly fire fellowships accuser fellowships and you don't want to find that also some people want more hierarchy than others some people want stricter churches and more formal than others i don't need all that strict stuff but I can say, you know what, because of Ephesians 4 doctrine, you are entitled to go to one if you want. You can even have Levitical patriarchism and make everybody do your business, <laughs> and you can watch everybody's business. You know what, that's your choice, but you know what, don't watch mine. I'm not under you. In 2012, at the leading of the Lord, The Lord said, get out of being a charismatic. They're too crazy in their doctrine. Not every charismatic is crazy or their doctrine, but there's so much of it where I was that I've gotten out as a symbol, as a sign. And now I am Ephesians 4, Crossbody True Unity, Book of Ephesians, and also Galatians 1, 1, and 2. Because I had so many people, so many people, minding my business and... As a result, I just studied them. I thought they won't talk to me. I haven't had anyone call me, make an appointment to meet with me, to check my doctrine out. I haven't any, you know, in other words, I thought I'm doing this prophetically, not personally. I'm doing this to see what goes on under the name of Christ following so I can help get Jesus fellowship and back. You know, it was declining before COVID. All these people stopped going. All the millennials and everybody else stopped going. There's even a prediction that only 50 percent of the born-again Christians were going, and I was with those people, not going. Now I'm in. An, I'm not down there. I'm not in the grassroots now. I'm where I need to be, and that is in a community in a different state, that is not confused about ministry. It is not confused about why we're here and its purpose and why Jesus came, and it's not about our four and O oh more no more. And it's not about our ministry. It's about the Lord. I was with somebody at a conference tonight and I I said, you know, I'm shocked after what I've lived through around this nation. I am shocked. The average person in this corner of Jesus Christ following in this ministry, which is a big ministry, I am shocked because I, you know, when you're in a crowd, you overhear people talking, you can tell what kind of, it's a litmus test of what their focus is. Time after time, they're not talking about building our ministry or taking in ties or making it hurrying it to the next appointment, scurrying on. These people are talking about the Lord. They're serious about God and their relationship. They don't have formulas. They have a relationship. I want to honor these people and all Christians in whatever part of the nation or the globe that are the same. You are the kind of Christian and believer that's going to make Jesus' name known, not yours. And you are going to bring about the harvest. And you are going to bring about revival, not these others. Some of those others, before I left... I say this as a prophet, and even some of the prophets, I thought, some of the people with fivefold offices, that's one reason I've gotten so feisty is because I'm concerned for them that they won't make it to heaven. I don't know if some of these prophets are really saved. Some of these say that they're true prophets. I don't know. Their fruit is that cantankerous. I don't know if some of these people that say they got faith at the grassroots, Bible teaching faith, I don't know if they're going to make it. They're ripoff artists. A lot of people take the famous people on TV and they take their doctrine down at grassroots, twist it, pervert it, add to it, power pump it, ego, add their ego, and then add their mean mama, their snake in the grass bias as well. And I don't think we got a very healthy grassroots right now in the prophetic ministry and the tongue talker for the most part. However... There are always exceptions. There are always tons of people. And it depends upon the style of Christian you're with. It depends upon the area of your location. And I happen to be, because I've been around for many years doing this, I can tell the atmosphere of a location if the Christians are doing their part, if they're really living it and praying for the nation, not against each other. I can really tell it because the fruit is there of peace, a huge peace. When there's no gossip, no false religion in the Christian church and ministry, it makes a huge, huge difference. When the holy fear of the Lord is there, a sacredness is there, and an ease is there, and it's not all white, and it's not all brown. It's the Lord is there, and that's what brings the harvest. So we are for the harvest, and we're for you. So when you go out and you're trying to find a place to worship now, you can go and be led by the Spirit and then check out the doctrines if they believe in covering, if they believe in micromanagement, and then you and God here. I can't call anybody I've mentioned their doctrine false prophets, but I can say to you there's a lot of false doctrine that is being used right now. I'm trying not to use it. You can check my doctrine out by the Bible. T- you know, I'm not under the law. But there is a lot of people that are teaching false doctrine with good doctrine, and they're true people. So it's up to you. This is my opinion about teaching false prophets. Yes, there's some false prophets, and there'll be more. But right now, it's mostly, I would say in Charismatica, prophetically, I would say it's mostly people teaching false doctrine, even going to the occult, psychic realm in certain ones out in the field and some not but it's between you and god what you want to stand and settle for and if you how much false doctrine is in a group or a preacher that constitutes them being labeled and written off as false that is up to you i'm still working on it there were false prophets people have fallen away from teaching that christ is the only way i could name one that is you know somewhat famous that was a great preacher and now he preaches oh yeah there's no hell Everybody can get to heaven. Now, that's a false prophet, false apostle. But generally, most people at grassroots, they love to find false prophets. They love to be the prophet and say everybody else is false. They love to say, I know it all. I've seen it all. Everybody should be under me. And so we're trying to weed this doctrine out and say, you know what? People who call each other false call people false prophets, especially by name usually have something false going on themselves. People who call the more they call persons false prophets false apostles, the more they are in error. That's what's such a relief sometimes to not be around these people to really get out and where it's calm and they're not all this own opinion and immaturity, It's just immaturity. It's, that's why God made Baptists. That's why God made white Baptists and black Baptists. I think, at least the white Baptists. I've been a few. Ba- I've been around missionary Baptists. They're pretty cool, really cool. Anyway, God is good. He's doing a great work. He's doing a great work. He's doing a great work. I Love that song. He's doing a great work. He's doing a great work. If we want him to, if we allow him to, if we submit to Ephesians 4. As well as Ephesians 5.21, Mutual Submission in the Fear of the Lord. I don't know if I have time to say that, but one reason I was talking on this topic tonight. I was realizing that how many people in the grassroots country, charismatic usually, faith usually, really get their hackles up if I talk about, as a female, that that I have my own ministry. That I have... Uh, Galatians 1 one and 2, an apostle office sent out, not by any one person, not by any one man or woman or group, because they've never heard of that. They've never heard of Ephesians 4 either. A lot of them are TV-affected, basically get their doctrine from the famous preacher. And I like a lot of those famous preachers, males and females. But the grassroots is my turf, and they're not always hunky-dory. Anyway, so... When I teach on Ephesians 5.21, everyone being mutually submitted in the fear of the Lord, including husbands and wives, I just know some of the, because they're not used to this. I know the hackles go up. I'm not going to be submitted to her. Because see, they think that term, submitted. She's not submitted. He's not submitted. And see, that is like, so charismatic it is not baptist it's not christian it's not in the bible anywhere i don't think black people do it everybody watching who submitted but i've been jumped and called not submitted for sitting there that's why i teach on it because it's a blasphemy you know to the lord to think that you could name somebody unsubmitted spread their name around and (laughs) <laughs> blackball their character amongst your own kind up and down the east coast or the southwest but you've never spoken to them and nobody in your group has you've never talked to them that's a false witness that is lying and that's why i wrote ode to whelp at the top of my fellowship that's why i'm being this candid this forthright this bold because they have a spirit to control and then it is a it's white religious spirit that makes jesus name look so bad that people are scared to go to church it builds breaks down trust why do i want to go if we're going to jumped gossiped about being held accountable everybody has to know my business they have to think that they're the boss. You know, in other words, we, they think they own us. It's really like they want to own people. That's my feeling because I was so raised the opposite. I was so raised the opposite. So we're trying to stir up the hornet. Let everybody think about it. Am I wrong? If I'm wrong, throw it out. Just throw everything I say out. I don't care. I don't have to be right. You hear God and you analyze it, examine it. Be a nobuburian that would make Paul proud and your mama and your gossiping mama. Oh, no, your mama wouldn't gossip. So let's go forth and let's start a new day post-COVID, during the remnant of being cured of COVID, whatever. Let's just start off and make Jesus' name a happy habitation that reminds me of the oil of joy of gladness that Jesus had above his fellows. Hebrews 1.9, Jesus Christ had the oil of joy and gladness above his fellows because he hated what was evil and he loved what was righteous. He didn't hate the sinner. But he hated what sin did to people. It controlled them. It ruined them. It addicted them. And then he didn't hate. He, what, he loved righteousness, but he wasn't superior or self-righteous. He was loving. God bless you. He loves you. This is Tevo DRC. signing off for now because we're running out of time. Bye-bye. Blessing.